Welcome to the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, hosted by veterinarians Dr. Lewis Kirkham and Dr. Robbie Anderton, who'll give you the inside scoop on the secret lives of your pets and have a lighthearted look at the latest animal news, health tips, and other random facts. All names of people and pets have been changed for confidentiality, so if the story sounds familiar, don't flatter yourself. Every owner is just as animal crazy as you are. So sit down, place your furry, feathered, or scaly best friend on your lap, and it's over to Lewis and Robbie. Welcome intergalactic and interdimensional knowledge seekers to episode 45 of the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, where too much talking of pets is barely enough. Sitting by with lab coat on and clipboard in hand, making the observations for the good of the world, I am Dr. Robbie Anderton, and I am joined by the mad scientist ready to turn the dial on the particle collider up to 11 and blow apart the time-space continuum and risk bringing the multiverse crashing on itself just to find the perfect picture of himself holding a kitten for Instagram. It's Dr. Lewis Kirkham. Lewis, how you going, mate? Good, Robbie. Very good, Robbie. How do you know what I've been doing for the last week? Uh, you know, the, so, the word gets around in the science world, mate. You know, and I know that you are partial of a picture of yourself with a kitten. Oh, yeah. Several kittens, mate. Just Several cuddling. kittens. You had a handful of yeah, them. Yeah, cuddling away. How old were they? Were they only a couple of weeks mm, old? Yeah, maybe. I don't think the owner was short. It was actually interesting. The owner said that they didn't know their cat was pregnant until they hadn't seen the cat for a couple of weeks and then suddenly kittens came out of the wardrobe. I was like, what? How is that possible? So they've got a couple of jobs. One, de-sex your cat. Two, clean out your wardrobe because now there's a whole lot of cat fetal juice in there. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. But maybe just uh, check for you, look around for your cat. I mean, really? You didn't notice it wasn't around for a couple of weeks and they're just giving birth? Well, we just thought it was like a gremlin. If we got it wet, then little bit, the little little versions of it were just going to pop out of just the back. pop out. Yeah. yeah. But, oh, they were cute. But interesting comment we got that, uh, what was it, creepy man, don't eat the kittens. I yes. Thought, oh, that's, that's nice. True. Yeah, that's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really, it uh, makes it feel good. They, they were all mewling a lot too. Yeah, so that's why I felt like I had to try and get my shot of a self self yeah, of a you kitten. Did all right. you know, I had to did, you know, did you get many comments on yours? No, no comments on my one. No, no, no. no, no. Yeah. Not, a, not a crazy man trying to eat them. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> What's uh, been happening this way, mate? So I tell you what, I have had tw- the worst luck with anal glands twice this week. So so we've spoken about anal glands before on yes. the podcast and about when we try and express them out um, and about the way we do it. So I'm very careful in that when I do it, I make sure I stand to the side. Yep. So, so I have um, the owner on one side, me on the other, finger up the bot with paper towel, uh, uh, in my hand pushed up against where the stuff's going to come out yep. to hope that it's just going to come out and get absorbed into the paper. Yep. Um, I had it happen twice this week that I was squeezing and the paper must have been too far back. Yes. Right? And it came out with too much um, uh, uh, velocity. Yeah. And it came out and, uh, it and bounced tangentially off the paper, sprayed me on the shirt. Oh, mate. Sprayed me on the shirt. Mm. I've gone, right, well, that's not very fun. Do you, you keep know? a spare shirt at work? I do. Oh, lucky. I do. Yep. But that's not the one. Sec- but not the second time. No. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what an absolute... Twice in you know, a day. Well, no, it wasn't twice in a day. It was one on one day and then another one later on in the week. So you wear the same shirt two days in a row. Hang on a sec. There's some hygiene issues going on here. <laughs> I always wash, mate. It's fine, you know. <laughs> That's right. I've just, I'm like um, I'm like Wally. I've just got the same uh, the same outfit, but just six different versions. Right. Of it. I wonder yeah, when yeah. you bring that here. I'm like, yeah. yeah where's Robbie? Oh, there he is. So it's just, just always the same yeah. one. Yeah. White white and red striped shirt, glasses, little beanie. It's fantastic. Came. Um, but uh, you came. <laughs> Hide around a whole lot of other. So I saw someone the other day uh, when I was driving wearing what looked like a Where's Wally shirt, and I thought. 
Right. Oh, someone's just ringing so, Someone's me. trying to ring through. <laughs> We're taking calls at the podcast. We're recording now. <laughs> this is not a live podcast. Oh. <laughs> who's, who's trying to call? It's uh, Jane and Liz. Yeah, Jane and Liz. Yeah, uh, sorry, th- Jane and Liz. They'll, they'll get back to me. They'll, they'll, get, they'll get back. They'll leave a nice message. Perhaps they've got, they, they've got an, an issue with the anal glands. Uh, maybe. Maybe. Do you want to ask her if they've got a mailbag question? Possibly. Could be. <laughs> I don't think they're the mailbag types. No, okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Big shout out to Jane and Liz if you're listening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're just leaving a message now. Um, so, uh, so yeah, twice twice in a week, managed to bounce it off the damn paper straight onto the shirt. And they were, they you know, they are those really the watery, oh, fetid, stink. stinky ones. Mm. And you wash and wash, but you just you just can't get the yeah. smell. Like The smell, it's gone, but you just, in the back of your mind, you think, I think I've missed a bit. I think oh, I horrible, can still smell it. I think it's still there somewhere. So I had to soak the shirts for a little while before putting it in the wash and yeah wow i've had the i've had the occasional owner that's really wanted to get in close to have a look at what i was doing yeah back away people back away (laughs) (laughs) i had someone tell me once that um it was a cat bite abscess yeah and they were uh, look uh trying to part the hair around where the scab was yeah and when they did it they put the pressure on the abscess and the abscess burst And it went all over the owner's face, oh. but luckily the owner had glasses, so <laughs> so it didn't go in their eyes. They just got the pus on their eyes, on their on their glasses, rather than actually hitting the orbit. You know, and the, the real green, fetid, pastorella, you know, cat abscess. You know those ones where you people eating breakfast listening to this. And welcome to you. You yeah, know, welcome to your breakfast, lunch, whatever you're eating. <laughs> So what have you splashed on yourself this week at work, mate? We've, we've got a duck at work at the moment. You've probably, oh, right? seen, you've probably seen it on Instagram. I put a photo of it. Yes. It's getting better. It had Is a, it? A, a, I don't know what happened to it. I think it got attacked by a couple of dogs in the in the park. It was doing really well at work. We, the I think uh, one of our nurses took it back to where it came from to try and reintroduce it. Right. And there were five other ducks waiting for it and just attacked it. So I had to pick it up and bring it back into sure, work. Sure, it wasn't a duck. It wasn't a dog attack. It might have been a duck. Might have been a duck attack. Duck well, could have been. Might, exactly. might have been. Might have been ducks with teeth. What do you call a group of ducks? A gaggle. That's that's, a, that's, that's geese. geese. That's geese. Well, it's a mob of emus. A mob of emus. Yeah. Oh, we did. We did. We did find out the last. Oh, now that yeah, your internet's dropped out on me really? again. Yeah. You've got to start paying your internet, yeah. mate. No, no. Will you look that up? Now, and so I mean, we've still got this duck in, and April's obviously in at work a little bit this week. I mean, trying to convince her to take it for a walk up the street. Right. Yes. Yeah. Because that'll that'll get all, that'll get the clients you know, asking, oh, how can we got a duck? Oh, I'm just walking for the vet clinic. Yes. Great promotion. Wear the t-shirt. Hand out the brochures. Guerrilla marketing. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. For sure. But no, she wouldn't do it. So how come? No, what, I don't what was know. it? Did she? Was she worried that she may have seen, uh, yeah, you know, one of her school friends? Was she worried that she was gonna, you know, get be getting embarrassed that way? Or she? No, I'm not in this pay grade. Pay grade's not high enough to do this. Well, I think she was more just embarrassed. People would talk to her. Just more than more than anything. Just that age where you know, don't don't want attention on me. Walking around with a duck is yeah. is definitely gonna um, attra- attract attention. Now, um, so, so, ducks. So a, a, a peaking a, of ducks. A f- <laughs> <laughs> peeking over the fence, yeah. um, an so orange, pe- orange ducks, uh, no orange of ducks, no. So, so a f- ducks in flight is a flock. Ducks on the ground is a brace or a battling, and ducks on the water is a raft, team, or paddling of oh, ducks. And there ducks in a feather flock together. No, 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 no. Right, eh? oh great. Do- dogs that occurs is a cowardice of curs. 
It's interesting. So I'm going to stop looking at that. Yeah, that's <laughs> just right. fall, fall down the mine shaft. This is a fantastic so welcome so to episode so, 45, yes. everyone. So, so the duck at work. So, yeah. so, nah, so what, move so on to something you, else. I've so talked what, about that. Well, now, what are your plans with the duck? So, so now you've taken the duck back. The duck's been attacked by its friends because it's now it's de- and now it's a domesticated duck. So you're going to have to send it to North Carolina to go and bed up with the emu and the and the donkey. Well, that's a good thought, but um, yeah, we we had a nice pie actually. <laughs> no, no, we did not. No, we did not. It didn't. No, it's gone off to. Uh, uh, nice farm, apparently. Fantastic. Someone's got some ducks to um, to fatten up and... Oh, no, not to, <laughs> no, to, uh, to no. enjoy life and live out its days on a farm. So, so it's not one of those nice farms that people's pets go out to when they're kids, is it? No. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's, it's an actual farm. No, yeah, I didn't yeah, go yeah. to that farm. No, it's no, an actual no. farm. No. Oh, that's good. Welcome to our, our kitty listeners at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and big thank you to our sponsors. Absolutely. Uh, uh, Zilkeen, the, uh, the mild anxiety-lowering supplement. Uh, great for cats and dogs. Used on Rosie for the New Year's Eve fireworks. Yes. Good for thunderstorms. Got a bit of thunderstorms going around at the moment. Absolutely. So, so dose up your pets about three days. You know, start about three days before an expected storm is coming is a good idea. Works really well. And you can double up on the day that it's at, that they're actually coming through as yeah. well because it is so safe that really uh, you get very little in the way of side effects apart from one little dog that you saw that got a little bit of the runs. One but otherwise, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's they, one out of many. One it, out of millions. Incredibly safe. So yeah. you can use that. And particularly if you've got the dog or, dog or cat on other medications, you can pretty confidently use that and not be worried that you're going to be getting into uh, any issues. Yeah, and we're on a Facebook group for us behaviorists. And I had a few behaviorists talking about saying they're getting better results with the Zilkin than they are for cats, particularly than they are with some of the medications. So Wowzers. that's Radio. really interesting. There so you go. There you go. And also a uh, big supporter is Prime 100 Dog Foods. They've got the single protein diets for dog and cats. Uh, come in all the different flavors. They've got the the kang- kangaroo and uh, and duck. No, duck and oh, hang on a second. <laughs> How about the dolphin? Did we establish where oh, they've actually got the dolphin yeah. died? Don't go there. Don't don't, don't go, go there. Back yeah. away. Uh, Clint, Clint still's not speaking to us about the uh, <laughs> after the, the the duck died incident. Maybe they do a penguin. Oh, sorry, the, the dolphin. The dolphin. Dolphin. Duck. The duck died. <laughs> How about emu and donkey? <laughs> that's that's one of those shipping out of North Carolina that's now. That's quite a mix, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, for, for use for adult dogs, and you could also give it to puppies. It's suitable for puppies, right? Uh, from a young age. But obviously, we we love it because it's great for those cats or dogs that have got uh, intestinal issues, or maybe they've got a bit of an itchy skin allergy kind of problem. So so hit them out. You're a big fan of the Croc Tap, yeah. Really, really good for doing a um, a novel protein. Uh, diet challenge, you know, really, really, really good. The fact that it's a diet that is, they've got protein and the carbohydrate that are just completely out of left field. We've been, we've been very, very lucky to have this uh, product out for the last uh, last year or so. So, yep. um, yeah, really, really enjoying using it. Good stuff. And, of course, we've got uh, Insight Mobile Veterinary Diagnostics with Dr. Clint Yuldeman who uh, is a mobile specialist around Melbourne um, and we interviewed a couple of weeks ago. Uh, does the Mornings Peninsula, Bellarine Peninsulas and uh, and soon to sign on for, for 12 months, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> pretty, thanks, Clint. Thanks, mate. Just uh, just uh, dropping a production meeting on air there for you. Uh, so if you're listening, uh, don't drive off the road now that we've signed you up for another 12 months. Um, he'll come out to your clinic though. He'll do some specialist ultrasound, uh, endoscopy, you know, diagnostics. If your vet's got a difficult case, he can provide some input on that as well so ask for him by name 
or by Insight Mobile Vet Diagnostics, insightmvd.com.au. Or uh, just uh, follow the link in the show notes as well because we'll have Good a link stuff. on there too. Yep. And uh, and thank you once again to all of our wonderful Patreon subscribers. We love you all. Lewis and I, we, uh, we both uh, uh, say thank you to each and every one of you before we go to bed at night because we love you. It helps me sleep at night. Thank oh, that's you. good. That's yes. good. And, and the Zilkeen does that too. Yes. yes. <laughs> Not I, um, that we advocate that. Now, now, now another quick um, uh, on-air production meeting. Um, should we talk about the, uh, the, 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 our thoughts of the, uh, the OB and, and try and see if any of our listeners are actually would be interested in maybe coming to an outside broadcast? Yeah. So, so Lewis and I would think as we're coming up to the, uh, the 50th episode soon. Do you need your calculator, mate? How many is that out of 100? Yeah, I think it's 0. 0.45. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gonna get some don't, mileage don't out don't of that. Ass, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. On episode forty-one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so if if we were to do an outside broadcast, it'll be in Melbourne. Um, we're we're thinking about where we're going to have it as a venue. Yep. It'll probably be on a sat- Sunday afternoon or something like that. If you would be interested in maybe coming out to an outside broadcast where we're going, we'll record the podcast live, answer questions, things like that. Uh, hit us, send us an email of yes. Or no, yeah. or put us up on fa- on Instagram or Facebook and say yes, I'd be interested, or no, I don't know why you'd say no if you weren't interested. But if you were interested, just so we can try and work out what sort of numbers we'd possibly be getting, so we can work out venue wise. Just for catering for Clint, really. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so Clint from my you know my kitchen rules just knows how many to cook for. Really, that's right. Yes. You know, yeah. Obviously, we've got our families, and I reckon that we can get twenty people. That'd be all right. Plus, plus you meet that's twenty. Hang on. Calculator twenty plus two, mate. Calculator's gone there? away. Yeah, stick it up. Yeah, <laughs> come on, mate. Twenty. I'll give you my fingers. Twenty. Twenty-two. So it'd be twenty-two of us. Twenty-two of us. I yes. reckon. And then maybe we could get some actual listeners. It'd be great. Would be awesome. Yeah. So if anyone does want to come, it'd be in. Well, it'd be in a few weeks' time. Maybe, yes. Maybe February. February ish. It well, might have to be episode number fifty-five, which is how many more than fifty. <laughs> So, because we, we're sort of struggling to organise the entire 4.49. Yeah, yeah. If it's, yeah, maybe we'll just go record, like we'll do like what they do in the skyscrapers. We'll record 49 and 51, and then we'll just wait until we actually do the OB before right, and come doing back the 50th episode. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. That so, is- so, if you're interested, if you'd be interested in coming along, just shoot us a line and say, yeah, guys, I'd be interested in coming. Just so then that way we've got an idea of uh, whether or not we should put it on or yeah, not. Yeah, how big the venue is, whether we're at the Palais or whether we're at. Uh, we're here in. in Lewis's podcast because yeah. it's just his daughters that want to come, or even a bus stop just yeah. somewhere. Maybe <laughs> that's that's got to be outside. I can't be here. It just out, well, where it's in our car. Maybe we just do it from our car then. We could do your we limo, do your limo in McDonald's. We'll just we'll just sit there and we'll do the podcast in a McDonald's drive-through. Great. Then we wouldn't need Clint to cook, would we? Just do one dollar frozen cokes for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> they could just pass the dollar coin to us through the window. We're just I'll have another orange one, thank you. <laughs> That'd be great. Fantastic. Now, Lewis, I wanted to ask you. Um, if you've ever had a time of where you've uh, met up with a client or a client spotted you out of context somewhere or you've seen someone you go, oh my goodness, you know, I can't. Because the reason why I asked this question, I was at a, um, I was at a fun run o- over the weekend and I, managed, I spotted the local postman, uh, the guy who works in the post office. Right. I know. I've gone, oh my goodness, where do I know you from? And then I realised, oh, hang on, I remember Ruben goes and buys his footy cards off you. Yeah. So um, so I thought, and there's been times of where people say, so go, oh, hi, Robbie, how are you going? I go, 
I'm good. How are you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, really good. You know, how's that furry friend of yours? Oh, yeah, no, they're really good. Do you remember that thing that you did with them? Oh, yeah, yes, absolutely. You remember you know? the anal glands you got on your shirt? Yeah, I do actually remember I that. do, yeah. You yeah. remember when you splashed my face with pus? <laughs> you know, fantastic. So so do you have any uh, any times where that's happened for you? Oh, I did have something then and then I forgot it. Uh, not particularly with clients, but you go ahead. Yeah, you, so that's you, a, you've got an instance. The, the, the best one that I had was um, I was up, in, uh, up at the Gold Coast a couple of years ago for a conference um and oh christina was at the conference and i was the traveling au pair looking after the kids and uh we're at the supermarket and someone's come up and tapped me on the shoulder and, they, and they're gone oh hi robbie how are you and i've turned around going i'm good thank you they say you don't remember who i am do you i said no and they said we've got a whip it and we've been coming to see you for the last couple of years go, oh, oh yes yeah, of course yeah. tilly and so then Bang, away, I was away. But it's just that thing of when you're completely out of context, you just got no idea. And there was, when I was working in Warrigal, there was a, a girl who um, would work, she was uh, uh, working the checkouts at the Coles or Woolworths, wherever I was going. And she would always say, oh, hi, Robbie, how you going? Yeah, now look, my dog's doing really well. Thank you very much. It's so good that you've, go, that's awesome. I've got no idea who oh. you are, who your dog is, but I'm, I'm really glad it's going oh, well. Mate. That's awesome. Oh. Look, I've got a few, I think, but the one that that really sticks it's not really vet related yeah is lee matthews you know lee matthews i, I know lee, lee matthews, matthews used to live in my front yard of my house that i grew up in when i was a kid there you the go the dad then turned his old house into a pigeon loft wow did you kick the footy with him uh no no they, they, we found that out in 1990 after collingwood won the premiership right yeah yeah oh. so they still had the tiles on the concrete block that was his kitchen Oh, right. Yeah, there so go. there you go. But, wow. um, but well, I yeah, never that, met him. That, but, but That's I'm, nothing compared to my story. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I was All say. right, on to the disclaimer. Thanks a lot, <laughs> mate. Just gazump me. Uh, we were, um, me and Deb were travelling through Africa for our honeymoon. Yeah. And we splurged for our honeymoon. We thought we we're going to go on a hot air balloon ride right. over... Over the Serengeti, yes. as you do, and uh, and so get up early in the morning, drive out to the you know the middle of the Serengeti, middle of nowhere, yep. inflating two hot air balloons, blah blah blah, blah. and uh, and we get in, uh, you know, uh, getting that group, you know, getting a group, two groups, and guess who's in that group? Lee Matthews, right? The greatest, one of the greatest footballers ever, yes. Australian rules footballers to ever play the game, toughest man you ever ever could meet. Broke a, a point, point post, post. At, yep. at one stage. And it was just after the 2004 Grand Final. Right. So 2000 Grand Final was Brisbane Lions versus Port Adelaide. And Brisbane Lions lost. So oh, they, they just did had, too. They just had the three-peat. They yes. won three in a row and the fourth one they'd lost. Yes. And so this was his holiday straight after the Grand Final. He'd gone straight to Africa. Right. You know, and so we'd been travelling for a while around Africa. We knew that, yeah, they'd lost the grand final, but really it was the days before internet, before, you know. Yeah, really, yeah. You know, days before cars and mobile phones and anything like that. Yes. But they were hot air balloons. That, that's why we're travelling around on a hot air balloon. Yeah, You're about to go around the world in 80 days. You're right, exactly. Yeah, yeah we did. We're landing the hot air balloon and ready yeah. to travel back to Melbourne. And so we're in Serengeti, and uh, and there he is. He's in our bars, our, our balloon basket, traveling the hot air. So yeah, we you know, flew the hot air balloon. I sort of pretended I didn't, you know, know who he was and and everything. And then when we landed, you know, we're getting ready for this breakfast that they do for you and stuff. And sort of you know got a bit of courage. And oh, Lee, you know, it's yeah, my name's Lewis. I'm from Melbourne. Yeah, he's like, oh, you wouldn't believe, it, would you? You know, middle of the Serengeti, and <laughs> here, here we are. And so he's he's there, and we're chatting away. And I said, oh, I've got to get a photo. My brother's you know Hawthorne supporter. Yeah. So I put my arm around Lee. He's put his big mitt round me Deb's gone to take the photo and she's gone 
say grand final. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, he's going to crush me. Yeah. And so the grimace, I'm smiling like, oh, I'm so happy. The grimace on his face of like, oh, I just lost the grand final. <laughs> So that was my meeting someone in the middle of nowhere. Right. Nice yeah, one. It yeah. was. Yeah, really good. <laughs> so I had another one. I had another story, but I oh, just distracted me before. Anyway, maybe I'll think of it later. No, nah, that's right. All, all right. good. Let's go to the disclaimer, I reckon. Uh, yeah, no problems at all. So uh, all advice on this show is generally nature, so please consult your veterinarian before following any advice for your pet. We do our best to provide the most up-to-date information, but as veterinary medicine is continually advancing and changing, please let us know if we've missed anything or if you need any clarification. Now, there's a reason why we've gotten up to this at this point, Lewis, because you have got a very hearty nugget of information that you've been sitting on for many weeks that you've decided to pass today. So, this, this bring it home. This has been it's 45 episodes in the making, mate. Yes. E- every week doing just a, a little bit of research. Right. Fantastic. Or maybe just a, a lot of research in the last couple of hours. I was going to say, so you were still there typing when I turned up today. So, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> you no, know, we, we, we touched on it last week. It's a huge topic. It's basically dominance is not a dirty word. Right, okay. You know, any songs you know about like that, mate? Uh, yeah, yeah. Ego is not a dirty word yes. by the Skyhooks. There you yeah. go. Yeah, so there we go. So I've taken that straight from the Skyhooks. It's a huge topic and I really want to get it right. So um, big thanks to Claudia for uh, prodding me, uh, probing what we harassing. It was uh, some word that starts with P. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> so, so here you go. So look, I guess you know dominance is is a huge thing that everyone talks about these days, and there's a lot of uh, different thoughts on it. So I'm going to give you my thoughts on on yep. where we stand and, and how it is. I guess to, to start off with defining dominance. Yep. Um, it's technically defined as a relationship between individuals, individual animals that is established by force or aggression and submission to determine who has priority access to multiple resources, for instance, food, preferred resting spots or mates. Yep. Obviously, from that definition, the dominant animal needs to be present to be able to guard that resource. Okay, yes. Yep. So the classic sort of situation would be you know, there's two bulls in a herd of cows. Yep. One bull is considered the dominant bull yep. and in the paddock and the subordinate bull will not challenge him when he mates the females. Yep, he yep. says, yeah, mate, that's your, you, you're in charge. Yeah, you're, you're go the, for it, Bruce. You're the, you're You'll the, be fine. You're doing a right. great job. I'll you, be over here eating the grass. That's right. You hit him up, Bruce, and yep. I'll, just, I'll just pretend that I'm eating the grass over here. No yeah, worries. that's right. Yeah. But then, but then you, you move Bruce over, over a couple of paddocks and yes. there's a few fences between Bruce and Boris. Yes, yep. And Boris goes, hey. Hey, yep. Here we go. I'm on. This is this is it exactly, and so he'll mate mate all the females because yes. Bruce is not there. Yeah, okay. To, to be able to say, it. so Bruce is still the dominant. Yeah, but just not in the situation because now because he's not present. He can't be dominant exactly. on that situation. So, so yep. Boris gets access to all the females. Yeah. So we we've, we've all seen these sorts of relationships on the TV and your nature documentaries. You know your classic David Attenborough. You know he's talking about monkeys, gorillas, meerkats, yep. naked mole rats, cockroaches. Look, whatever, whatever. <laughs> whatever he's talking about, there's often a dominant sort of structure between those groups of living animals. Yes. I guess what I don't like seeing with the dominant stuff is the term being used on the more recent TV shows. Right. uh, Which we might touch on a little bit later, which are about dog training or dog behaviour problems. Right, okay. Where they talk about dominance as being the cause for those issues. And, And they're the popular shows that you'll see on TV. Yes, yep, yep. Yeah, you don't have to go, you don't have to, well, well, we're not going to go pointing fingers. You can, no, we, I don't think. Yeah, I don't know if we. I, I don't know where we stand legally. So I don't yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can draw to your own conclusions that if you it, happen to watch a show and they happen to use the D word, that then you probably know that 
that's that right. what they're talking about. Yeah, even if they're whispering the D word to yeah. you, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is obviously where the dominance idea has had a resurgence in the last few decades. Is, you know, is I think mainly because of TV shows yep. that, that are based around... Um, um, you know, using dominance theory. So, and I think the thing with it as well is it's a word that people know, and it's a and it's a single word, and it makes sense to think, oh well, this dog is is dominant. This dog is dominating, regardless of whether it's just an easy word to use, but it's uh, potentially an incorrect use of it. Well, that's right. That's where the, that's where the problem is when it's incorrect incorrectly used in reference to dogs and or cats, I guess. Yeah. And the behaviours they're doing on a daily basis. So I'm going to take you back, mate. Let's go back. Back in the time machine. Exactly. Hop in the DeLorean. Hardcore history, two vets talk pets. Nice. Two vets talk history. Yes, I love it. We could do that. Pipe. A little, a little, uh, yeah. yeah, a little velour suit. Abraham Lincoln beard, top yes, hat. Yes, fantastic. Kane, welcome. Not, not where's Wally? No, no, no not no, a no. where's Wally outfit. No, no, but the hat, but not a where's Wally. A hat, Hugh Hefner style um, oh. bathrobe is what I'm picturing. Ooh. Yeah, like a, a dinner jacket. Oh, I'm tipping that's going to come a, a little bit when we sit opposite each other. That's going to come a little bit a cropper. That, that's fine. I'll keep my legs crossed, you know, and as long as you promise not to do a Sharon Stone, then we'll be fine. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, history lesson. Look, where. Don't go dominating me with your bathrobe antics. Oh, wow. Right. <laughs> so, going back, you know, where did this dominance sort of idea come from? And, and I guess the belief that dogs are driven to achieve social dominance over the owner or a handler really extends from the work of a Colonel Conrad Most. Most. I love his chicken. Most. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. The Colonel. Is there special herbs and spices he put in there? <laughs> but it might be. Might be a type of, might be Colonel Moist. Colonel Moist? Not, not sure. It's German. German Moist. We'll stick with Moist. 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 He's a, he was a member of the Royal Prussian Police. Okay, yes. So I'm not sure where that is. Prussian. Uh, Prussia was um, the... Yeah, know. like the Hungry, Russian, um, uh, East East German kind of uh, region, oh, I believe. Vlad, Vlad the Impaler sort of area. So d- yeah, ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he was more around... Um, uh, no, don't worry, keep on anyway, going. All right. So he had a background in military... We'll Wikipedia it later. Yeah, yeah, sure we will. Can't wait. He had a background in military and police dog training, and he published a seminal dog training manual in 1910. Right. So if we quote Conrad... Moist, moist. Yep. What did I say? Moist, moist, moist. Conrad, moist. Yep. The objective of drug training was to obtain the permanent, unconditional surrender of the dog, the intimidated state that accompanies it soon disappears simply because peace again reigns as soon as the man is victorious. That's a that's an awful lot of uh, you know um, uh, army type words used there, isn't there? Well, this was the way of the times, mate. It was from the German military. A lot of the training came. Yes, and it was strict discipline, supported by force when necessary. Uh. So, oh, it's nineteen ten. That's what they did. So, the, yeah, the notion that dogs were uh, compelled to form these dominance hierarchies was then backed up. Um, largely by an observation of captive wolves by Dr. David L. Meech. Have you heard right. of him? At no. All? No, you probably haven't. Us behaviourists know him really well. Yeah, right. And another guy, Rudolf Schenkel. Right. Uh, I've heard of Rudolf. He's the guy with the red nose that pulls Santa's sleigh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in, in around the 1940s to the 1970s. Right. And this seemed to reinforce the idea of Conrad Most and his, his German training and methods. So... Basically, the thought process uh, to using dominance in training dogs came from, well, if wolves live in packs yes, and have dominance hierarchies, yep. as Meech and Schenkel surmised, yep. then since dogs are descendants of wolves, 
they must have dominance hierarchies. Right. And dogs live with humans. Yep. So there must be dominance hierarchies between dogs and humans. Right. That's basically how the crux of, from what I understand, came down to flow to us using dominance theory in a home environment. Between dogs and people or cats and people. It's like it's an interspecies thing rather than a... Within a, a, a group well, of Well, that's animals. how it came from, you know. So yeah. it started with the wolves, worked down to the dogs, then dogs and humans. Yeah. So, and the problem with this notion is is there's threefold issues with this. So the our popular understanding of the wolf pack social behaviour, which was done by Meech and, and Schenkel, was based in part on the behaviour of uh, unrelated captive wolves forced to live in together in close quarters. Right. So not free-range wolves. Not, yes. Not wolves living on the tundra, you know, yep. uh, foraging, chasing, all that sort of thing. And Some and, fair variable in that group that you're observing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and since Mitch, Mitch first did his initial research, he's actually come out and debunked it. Right. And he said, in natural wolf packs, the alpha male or female are merely the breeding animals. Right. So the top ones in the pack are merely mum and dad, essentially. Yeah, okay. The parents of the pack and dominance contests within uh, with other wolves are rare if they exist at all. Wow. So he's gone 180 turn on his yeah. initial research. So it's a bit like human parents who have children. We're not dominant over our kids, but just parents who, well, initially, until you get iPhones and stuff, have control over their resources, <laughs> as I'm finding now, in getting iPhones today, <laughs> and screens to the environment. Screens, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so this initial theory on the walls was was withdrawn by Meech, um, and he's debunked most of it in, nine, in a paper he wrote in 1999. Right. Um, so he was the original writer of that research, and he's come out and withdrawn it, but it still persists. That that's the research. People don't realise there's that extra article that's come out. Yeah, right. Because I guess it's, it, it would take up so much of the so much airtime for so long between the 40s and 70s. Or was it was it his, his original paper was in the 70s? Uh, was it sort of between the 40s and the 70s was stuff that came out. Yeah. yeah, and so it's taken that for that 30 years. It's just been part of the furniture, and it's. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. So, and the second issue with that sort of theory about, you know, the wolves, to the dogs, to the humans, is dogs were thought to be the first domesticated species. Yeah. And they were first domesticated approximately 60,000 years ago. Yeah, right. So, if we sort of consider a family tree and you say, all right, wolves at the top of the family tree. Yep. Well, supposedly about 60,000 years ago, or perhaps even a little bit before that, they split. And so yep. wolves went off on their separate little path, being running out on the tundra, staying yep. out away from humans, whereas dogs came into the human fold and started domesticating yes. or were domesticated with us, scavenging around campfires, you know, becoming a part of it. Showing their eyes, their beautiful, you know, um, their, their eyes that we were talking about one yeah. of the other episodes. Yeah, yeah. changing the way that they look, yep. um, you know, becoming more neonatalized, looking That's more it. baby-like. So we, you know, we, we bring them into our fold. Yep. So essentially for the last 60,000 years, Dogs and wolves have been living as separate species, per yeah, se. Yeah, okay. So the wolves have had 60,000 years to develop their own social structure that they're showing nowadays. Yeah. And the and the dogs have developed their social structure with humans for the last 60,000 years totally separate. Yeah, right. So that kind of debunks the theory, well, if wolves do it, then dogs do it. Yes, okay. They're just not, not really that closely related. Yeah, okay. Um, and, then, uh, and then the third issue is that I've got a little bit is that the fact that the dominance works across species. You know, we're now saying that you've got a dog in the house and a human in the house and somehow the cross-species dominance occurs, which under the strict 
uh, definition of the dominance term, maybe it does occur, but it's a really far bow to pull, to stretch, yep. I reckon, to say that, you know, that the dogs are always continually trying to dominate us in the home environment. Yes, yeah. So I guess you might say, well, what's the problem with using dominance when we're talking about dogs in our home or, or dog training in general? Yeah. And nothing. Because it's a it. word. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's a word. If you want to say I'm using, you know, microphone training on my dog, well, great. That's that's excellent. It might mean something to you. Yes. It just means you're talking to the microphone to me. Yeah. <laughs> or, or laptop training. I don't know, whatever it might be. So yes. if you want to use the dominance word, I guess the problem, and you sort of touched on it earlier, is the connotations that come with the word. Yes. You know, um, the, uh, you know, it's often associated with things like alpha dog or status or alpha status or being the boss yeah. or having control, you know, is, is, is what sort of people get when you talk about the dominance word. And that's the issue that I have, that the dogs have this master plan of achieving high status in our homes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Home domination. Yeah, I am the leader. I am the pack master. You yes. will follow me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So so when we use that term dominance, our human mind immediately thinks that if a dog is being dominant, yeah. whatever it's doing, then we need to make them subordinate, yeah. below us. We need to push them down the pecking order. You know, we need to make them submissive. Yeah. And so this sets up an adversarial relationship with your dog, that you're now fighting the dog yeah. for whatever reason to get to make them behave how you want them to or to stop doing something that you don't want them to do or maybe they're being aggressive. We need to fight them for us to become dominant again. And because that's what you've got from that first thing that you said from, um, from uh, Colonel Most though he was like the language that he used there of the war and sub, you know all of that stuff is that thing where you're trying to go from well if i'm being dominated i need to i need to dominate you to make you submissive because this is a war this is you know that's the that's the sort that's right. of language that you're getting into isn't it it's yeah. not creating a nice sort of human animal bond no environment because you're it's always combative. It's, exactly it's, yeah yeah exactly. Conflict. conflict and that's where that's where the, there's the big problem so so then if you've got the combative nature of the war scenario perhaps in yeah. the home environment perhaps that's a bit full on to talk about just just uh you know an issue conflict. Where, yeah conflict yeah. you know it then implies that that as owners we need to use physical or possibly emotional force to make the dog to submit or be subordinate or to change their behavior. Yeah. So it means we start, and this is a lot of the stuff that's used when dominance is talked about, is using things like shouting or yelling, yeah, staring um, at the dog, staring them down or growling at them, uh, using things like alpha rolls. So alpha rolls are where the idea being that if you roll the dog on the back, yeah, it's showing a submissive posture, which means you are the dominant person. Yeah. The real problem with that um, sort of scenario, the alpha role, is the true alpha role that a dog does uh, for a dog that perhaps uh, it wants to be submissive to yeah. is it actually rolls over on its own nature, yeah. at its own. It's not never forced to roll over yeah, yeah. by another dog. So us rolling it over is not really what's going on anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's more that the submissive dog, when it rolls over, is doing that out of wanting to show submission yep. and showing that to the other dog. It's a choice that that dog has made yeah, exactly. rather than being said, this is what you are going yeah, to do. Yeah, I'm going to force you into this situation. Yep. Um, and, and as well as that, there's forcing. We force the dogs into submissive or down positions. Um, you know, you might grab them by the scruff or the neck or the jowls even. Mm. You hear of people sort of doing that, you know, smacking, hitting or kicking. You know, everyone's heard of using the rolled up newspaper to tap them on the nose. Mm, yeah, yeah. That's the sort of things or tap them on the bum. Um, pulling sharply on the leash. 
to yep. Dawes discomfort. So, you know, classic choker chains or yep. narrow, really sharp, pull on the leash to, to, to bring the dog into line sort of thing. Yeah. Um, water sprays and water bottles. Um, and then there's also poking them with two fingers in their neck and making it sound. So people who listen to certain TV shows will probably, you know, watch TV shows will probably know who I am talking about there. Yeah. So essentially it's using what, what in the, I guess, us behaviorists and psychologists call is positive punishment to try and change behavior. Right. So you're giving the dog something uh, generally aversive or they don't like to decrease the probability of their behave, that behavior occurring again in the future. We'll talk a lot about the different sort of behaviors, I think, possibly looking at the time, possibly on the next podcast. Yeah, cool. We'll, we'll go through that. But I think um, certainly um, that's the basis of, of, um, of the dominance and the concepts that are, are used. And so you might say, well, look, yeah, okay, we've been using those techniques for years. Yeah. You know, what, what is wrong with those techniques? And I guess... Certainly, as far as myself as a behaviourist, I when I graduated and well, um, and and did my d- further degree in animal behaviour, um, I was just that cusp where we're moving away from dominance theory. Yeah, and so certainly a lot of the behaviourists that I certainly did some time with, they were still just at the edge, using a little bit of this idea that dogs are trying to be dominant. Yeah. Um, and and I even you know did a little bit of some time with somebody who was still recommending alpha roles, but it was certainly fading out. So yeah. so certainly behaviorists and trainers have used these techniques in the past. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and but with an advancement in the science and our knowledge of how the brain works and how animals learn, it's enabled us to develop a better understanding of why behaviors, particularly sometimes aggression, yes, develops in dogs. And so now the majority of any up-to-date behaviorist or trainers, we've all changed. Yeah, you know we've moved away from dominance theory, and um, and I'll I'll I won't mention it now at all. You know, yep. yes, owners will bring it up and they might talk about it, and I've seen a TV show and that sort of thing, and I'm happy to give them the big chat about why we don't use it anymore. Yeah, yeah. But you'll never hear me using it as a treatment option. Yes, you yep. know. Um, and certainly these days, I guess the first thing is we like to use more humane techniques with yeah. our dogs you know dog training techniques you know over the years i guess have tend to follow a little bit how we treat our kids yeah you know uh, there's a big push nowadays you know you don't you don't smack your kids anymore yeah um you know um there's some studies that show smacking kids at a young age means that a bit of an older age they're more aggressive those yeah. sorts of things a lot of studies in kids about it um and and there are much more humane methods now particularly managing well we're not going to undergo kids but particular yep. behavioral issues in, in our dogs there are numerous studies that have come out now really de- you know debunking the whole um you know punishment uh, using dominance theory, those sorts of things. And numerous studies have shown that f- uh, force-style training, so using the ten- techniques I listed before, yeah. is never f- as effective as using other training methods. Um, and other training methods would be things like you know, rewarding behavior that you do want yep. and ignoring or redirecting behaviors that you don't want. Yep. And it's found that dogs just don't learn as well with force um, style of training too. That yeah. just doesn't set up le- the learning techniques for them. Um, and as well, there are some studies that have shown that uh, the owners are more likely to get injured while using um, using these methods yes, over force-free methods of training. Yeah. Um, and I'll, t- I'll talk about, I've got a little article coming up in a minute that we'll, we'll, we'll touch base on as well. So I, I guess the classic example, that sort of scenario would be um, uh, 
you know, I saw a, I saw a dog once for a behavior consult, this little puppy that was growling um, when the owner approached it and was eating a bone. Yeah. Um, and the owner, you know, the dog was growling when the owner approached and the owner thought, well, I should be able to take the bone away from you. So he went to take the bone away and the dog went to bite at him. Yeah. And out of reflex or whatever it is, or maybe he's thought on dominance theory, he, mm. he actually sort of hit the dog. Yeah. And the dog sort of ran off, you know, you know yes. obviously hurt itself. But then the dog, you know, once it recovered, actually came back and was aggressive straight back at the owner, mm, you know, yeah. in more aggressive sense. And that's the thing that can happen, you know. What happens, okay, when the dog does escalate? Yeah. You know, you, you smack the dog, but the dog goes, hang on, I'm going to come back. I um, really want this bone. That's right. I'm going to fight for it. Yeah, and now maybe I'm fearful of you. Yeah. So I'm fearfully aggressive. So yeah. I'm going to come back and, and go at you even more. So so what are people going to do when this dog escalates again and it really starts attacking, really starts using its teeth? Yeah. Uh, you know, well, you've got to escalate yourself again would be yeah. the dominance theory. Yes. And so that's a real issue. And a lot of owners um, get injured because of those reasons. Yes. But also injured because they're causing fear. And that's what the studies have also shown, that when you use those techniques, it, they all cause an increased fear in, yeah, in dogs. Okay. Um, yep. And I guess I can look at a lot of YouTube videos where aversive or force-style techniques are used to train dogs. And those, trains, those dogs are wonderfully obedient, but when you look very closely at their body language, they're really quite anxious, yeah, right. really fearful, and probably really scared that if I do the wrong thing, I'm going to get really shut down and, and hurt. What sort of um, what sort of things are those dogs showing? Like to be showing that sort of uh, that that those fear signs? Yeah, look, often it's really subtle signs, like it might just be ear position. Yep, might be a lot of licking the lips or yawning when yep. they're not understanding the commands or, or they're going through the whole commands. Often a lot of uh, what I call hypervigilance, really looking around and focusing on everything around them. Seeing lots of the whites of the eyes, you know, yeah, the eyes bulging out and yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And 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 sometimes freezing even, you know. So yeah, um, just just really, those dogs are often really fearful of if I don't do the right thing, I'm really going to sort of sort of cop it. I'm going to cop it. Yeah, yeah. So I just want to also touch on. You know, there's a really good article that I found. It was actually written by a Dr. Sophia Yin. Yes, have, you know, I Sophia, know. Sophia Sophie Yin, yeah, yeah that, that's someone that I do know. Yeah, she's the, uh, yeah, one of the, the the real heavy hitters, one of the greatest, uh, yeah, vets uh, vets to do with uh, animal behaviour. Yeah, she's she? fantastic. Yeah. She's actually passed away. The late Sophie yes. Yin, just an amazing person. I actually had the, um, uh, I was very lucky to meet her when yeah, she right. came to Melbourne once, which is a real honour. Um, and uh, and gave her some autographed copies of my my books, mate. Fantastic, awesome, very yeah. good. Yeah, do you know what my books are called? Have we have we touched on that this year? Uh, what is it? The uh, the A to K of the yellow pages. <laughs> <laughs> So t tell your dog you're pregnant. Oh, of course, yes, and yeah, and, and and tell your cat you're pregnant too, mate. Yes, you know? essential guide for dog or cat owners. There you go. Baby comes with a CD or a MP3 of sounds. Fantastic, great. I didn't have to pay for that plug. It's fantastic. <laughs> <isn't> it? <laughs> so, so this is a little article that she wrote in in 2009 after a study came out in the Journal of Applied Animal Behaviour, and basically the the study was saying if you are aggressive to your dog, your dog will be aggressive back to you. Yeah. Um, and the, one of the lead author of the studies is Dr. Megan Heron, who actually also has a copy of my book. Oh, excellent. Yeah, if she's listening. Uh, uh, just, hi, Megan. Yeah, it'd be nice nice to get a thank you. But yeah, <laughs> not a five-star five review on, yeah. on iTunes. Oh, yeah, there wouldn't that be great? So Megan Heron, I think she's a specialist uh, behaviourist over in the States. So uh, she says, nationwide, the number one reason why dog owners take their dog to a veterinary behaviourist is to manage aggressive behaviour. So when I say aggressive behavior, it's biting, growling, um, posturing that we're going to injure mm. someone. 
Our study demonstrated that many confront confrontational training methods, so the methods, some of the methods I listed before, whether staring down dogs, striking them, or intimidating them with physical manipulation, do little to correct improper behavior and can elicit aggressive responses. Right. Indeed, the use of such confrontational training techniques can provoke fear in the dog and lead to defensively aggressive behavior towards the person administering the aversive action. Yeah, okay. So for the study, uh, Dr. Heron and also Alana Reisner, another fantastic veterinary behaviorist who's also got a copy of my book. There you go. Yeah, big in the state. She's got a great Facebook page. Uh, not sure what it's called, but uh, look it up. Alana Reisner, she does some excellent posts on um on uh, dog bites to children, that sort of stuff. Really, right, really okay. passionate. So big fan of hers. So they, they produced a 30-item survey for dog owners who'd made behavioural service appointments at Pennsylvania University. In the questionnaire, dog owners were asked how they had previously treated aggressive behaviour by their dog, whether there was a positive, negative or neutral effect on the dog's behaviour. So when they used, obviously, uh, a technique... Um, did it make the dog better, worse, or no change? Yes, yes, essentially. Yep. Um, and whether the aggressive responses result, and whether aggressive responses resulted from the methods they used. Yeah. So whether the dog came back at them and was aggressive. Yeah, yeah. Them, depending on what they were doing, owners were also asked where they learned of the training technique they employed, and they got 140 surveys. So decent which is numbers. Not bad. Decent that's numbers. That's yeah, not yeah. a bad money. So. The highest frequency of aggression occurred in response to aversive or punishing interventions, mm -hmm. even when the intervention was indirect. Right. So that's saying that the, the biggest number of dogs that got aggressive to their owners was when they did these sorts of behaviours. So they've got uh, hitting or kicking the dog. Yeah. 41%, so about half. Do you need your calculator for that, mate? 41, fine, mate. Yeah. I'm good with 41. Just under, nine under half. No, nine under a half. That's yeah. fine, that's fine. So, as long as there's no decimal points, I'm okay. Right, okay, Just give, give me a heads up if you're going to go decimal points and right. I'll get my calculator out. Yeah, yeah fair, thank, fair. thank you. Thanks for thinking of me, though. No, no worries, mate. We've got a yeah. whole, uh, whole other... Uh, you're not trying to dominate me with numbers, are you? A whole another <laughs> 52 episodes I'm going to bring this up, you know? <laughs> So 41% of owners reported aggression after hitting or kicking the dog. Yeah. Again, 41% of dog or owners noticed aggression from the dog after they growled at the dog. Yeah, okay. 38% uh, of dogs no, uh, owners noticed aggression after forcing the dog to release an item from its mouth. Yes. 31% of dogs noticed aggression from their dog after they had alpha rolled them. Yeah. Which is we talked about forcing yep. the dog onto their back and holding them down. And 29% notice aggression from their dog after what's what's called a dominance down, which is forcing the dog down onto its side. Yes. Similar yep. to our, an alpha roll, but putting them on their side. Yep, yep. So that's really high numbers. You know, that's anywhere from, uh, you know, a third to half of all dogs. It's a huge number of dogs that are back, showing, yeah, aggression. And more aggressive. And then it continues on, you know, things like grabbing the jowl, jowls or the scruff that we talked about, 26% of dogs are aggressive. Staring at the dog made 30%. Of dogs aggressive, that's essentially staring at them until the dog looks away. Yeah. Spraying them with a water pistol spray, 20% of dogs actually came back aggressive. Yep. Um, yelling no at them caused 15% to be aggressive. Um, and then forced exposure, which is forcing the dog onto an area that they're scared of. So maybe if they're scared of a slippery floor... Yeah, pulling them on and forcing and them just, onto the floor. Just pushing them onto the slippery floor. Exactly. Yeah. Or they're scared of a person. Yeah. Forcing them up onto the person. Go up and say hi to Ex Nana. Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That caused 12% of dogs to be aggressive. So, 
Then in contrast, they looked at non-aversive methods. So yep. these are the methods I will use. Yep. Nice methods. Happy Humane. methods. Yes. Happy methods. Yes, happy yeah. methods. Happy. Not saying that people who use the other methods aren't happy. No, no, no. But they could be happier. Happier, And yes. their dog could be happier too. Yes. Yeah. So um, non-aversive methods result in much lower frequency of aggressive responses. So training the dog to sit for everything at once. What do you think? What percentage of dogs do you think were aggressive when they were asked to sit for something? Is it less than 10? Yes. Is Need it much less than 10? Yes. Is it zero? No. Two percent. Two percent. May as well be. May as well be because probably two percent of dogs are aggressive to everything. Anyway, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Dogs probably got sore hips. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Are you going to make me sit? It's going to hurt. I'm going to... God, yeah. Yeah. Uh, rewarding the dog for eye contact. So giving them a food reward when they look you calmly in the eye. What percentage are aggressive to that, Dragon? Two percent. Bang, you're good at There's this. There's a trend. Yeah. Food exchange for an item in its mouth instead of forcing the item out. Uh, I'll take 2%. Thanks, Larry. Uh, multiply that by three. Oh, hang on. You can't do that. Six percent. Yes. Well up. done. Well, well, careful. Got to beat that out. <laughs> <laughs> a pack of, what was it? A pack of donkeys. <laughs> and then rewarding the dog for a watch me, which is just to look at me. Yeah, know, okay. Yeah. a food reward. That was 0%. No Zero. Dogs yeah, fantastic. So, so really, really no numbers. So this study highlights the risk of dominance-based training, which has been made popular by television programs, books, and other punishment-based training advocates, says Dr. Heron. She goes on, or the article goes on. So this is not me talking. Yeah. This is the article. For instance, Dog Whisperer with Caesar Milan, the popular National Geographic Channel television series, routinely demonstrates alpha roles, dominance downs, and forced exposure, and has depicted Milan restraining dogs or performing physical corrections in order to take valued possessions away from them. This source attributes... Uh, and um, So this source attributes attributed um, undesirable aggressive behaviours in dogs to the dogs striving to gain social dominance or to a lack of dominance displayed by the owner. Advocates of this theory therefore suggest owners establish an alpha or pack leader role. So that's obviously talking about the Caesar Milan dog yep. show, which is the, one of the more popular shows that mm. that has, has uh, really changed the way a lot of dog training is done these days, unfortunately. Yep. But veterinary behaviourists, Veterinary behaviorist, PhD behaviorist, and the American Veterinary Society of Animal Behavior attribute undesirable behaviors to inadvertent rewarding of undesir undesirable behaviors and a lack of consistent rewarding of desirable behaviors. Yeah. So we'll talk about, we'll do some examples, I think, next week. Yeah, yeah. But basically, you know, if your dog's doing something you don't want it to do, the reason it's doing it is because it's either been rewarded for yeah. doing it or you haven't taught the dog what you want it to do. Yes, you yeah, know, yeah. The dog's jumping up on you all the time or it's probably jumping up you because sometimes it gets a pat or yeah. sometimes it gets rewarded with a oh, push you down. Some so, sort of attention. Some sort of attention. But you haven't taught the dog, actually, I just want you to sit. And then yeah. I'll give you a treat when you come in or, or something like that. So, so that's sort of what, what she's, she's touching on. So Dr. Heron stresses, studies on canine aggression in the last decade have shown that canine aggression and other behavior problems are not a result of dominant behavior or the lack of the owner's alpha status, but rather a result of fear or underlying anxiety problems. Yes. Aversive techniques can elicit an aggressive response in dogs because they can increase the fear and arouse in the dog, especially in those that are already defensive. The difficult thing, though, is from this study, owners fail to see the connection. Yeah. So Dr. Heron points out that, interesting, not all owners reporting an aggressive response to a particular aversive technique, so when they 
you know, hit the dog yeah, or, yeah. Or, or kick the dog or, you know, some of those techniques we talked about felt that the training method had a negative effect on their dog's behavior. For instance, while 43% of donors of owners who hit or kicked, I think it was 41%, 41% of owners who hit or kicked their dog reported aggression directed towards them as a result. We talked about that earlier. Yeah. But only 35% of owners felt that the technique had a negative effect. Yeah, okay. So there's a whole, you know... There's uh, a raft of people that, that aren't seeing the connection of, I do this something bad happens yeah, yeah exactly raft 41 35 difference mate uh, can you help me with that one six is it good stuff jeez you're on fire today i did say eight first because i didn't think about it <laughs> i knew it was you two didn't odd have numbers. your calculator it, it, had, it was two odd numbers so i knew it is going to have to end in an even one i just picked the wrong one <laughs> <laughs> heron explains that one reason owners may have difficulty making the connection is that aversive techniques may temporarily inhibit reactive or undesirable behaviours. So it's like a short little spurt that they go, ah, that's it that's worked. made a difference. Yeah. yeah. So that appears the behaviour is improved, but it's not a long-term fix. Yeah. In addition, owners may have not recognised non-aggressive fearful responses to the correction. So maybe the dog, you know, looked away, licked its lips. Yeah. You know, not aggressive responses, but certainly a response that I'm scared. Yes. Of what yeah. you've just done to me, I'm not, not happy. Not happy with it. Yeah. I've yeah. ran off and hidden, something like that. Not seen as aggressive, but potentially a precursor to aggression next yep. time. Uh, so, yeah. In addition, owners may not have recognized non-aggressive fearful responses to direction and may have felt the technique was indeed helpful in that particular context. However, increasing the dog's fear can also increase defensive aggression in the same or other situations. So, I guess, you know, touching on all of this, you know, people will be screaming at me, well, what should we be doing? Yes, yeah. And... Uh, and I guess these results from certainly this study highlight the importance of using positive reinforcement. Yeah. So positive reinforcement in the true psychology term of, of, of use. Positive reinforcement, positive means you're giving something the, to the dog. Yeah. Reinforcement means to increase the, pos the, the possibility of that behavior occurring again in the future. Yes. And the classic thing I like to use is a food reward when say the dog sits. Yep. So the dog sits, it gets a food reward. So the dog thinks to mate, right, that was really cool. I'm going to sit again yep. because that's going to get me another food reward. I wonder what happens if I sit again. I got another treat. Surely third time, I got another one. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So it highlights the importance of using positive reinforcements, form, sorry, reinforcement and other non-aversive methods when working with dogs, especially dogs with a history of aggression. Yes. Indeed, such non-aversive methods, which focus on rewarding desirable behaviours and changing the dog's emotional state, work well for aggressive dogs. So that gives a real little start on, I think, on, on, yeah. um, on, on dominant sort of stuff. And, and next week, um, I think what I'll talk about is... Um, is I'll talk about and uh, we might I might get you to bring some as well. Yeah, you know, common sort of behaviours that often owners feel they consider to be dominance. Yep, and then I'll talk about well how they're not dominance. Got based. some pearlers, mate, and good, yep. and what they um and and we'll deconstruct them. Yes, De in using some good vernacular. Yeah, nice De one. Deconstruct them. I like it. And explain why they're not dominance yep. and what they might be more attributable. Yep. And it's hard for me to go through sort of solutions to a lot of problems because they can be more, a bit more complex. Yep. But we'll try and talk about some, some ones. So I guess if anyone's got any sort of questions. Is this a dominant behavior? Yeah. You know, so we're not going to, you know, so my dog does this, my cat does that. 
is that a dominant behaviour? Yeah. Send us into an email, twovetstalkpets at gmail.com. Hit us up on Instagram or Facebook. What your, is your pet doing? Is this dominant? And we will we'll run through them the next the next week. Um, yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, exactly. And now you made me remind me of uh, seeing people out of context at events. Nice. So we'll end on a, a bit of a lighter note. Yeah. Uh, a mate of mine. Yeah. Who we will call. Uh, what we are uh, Dags. Dags. Yeah. yeah okay. Dags. Yeah. Dags. Good Aussie name. Dags. Yep, Dags. Dags. So Dags was uh at a bucks night right at, at a bucks do yes and uh and um as you do at a bucks do um or they had uh, that's right they had a a big jar of of um of coins right so they've been to the bank as a bit of a joke for the bucks bucks night um and and got a big jar of, of 20 cent and 10 cent pieces and, yes and, and massive jar like we're talking you know a huge you know i don't know I don't know, like like you put your protein powder in a massive yes. jar. Yes, yeah, like, you're like, like a huge pickled onion jar. Yeah, massive yeah. one of those, full of coins. So yeah. they're toting these around. Like Take the pickled onions out, put the coins in the jar. Yeah. Exactly. So they're, so they're walking around and doing a bit of a pub crawl. And, and as you know, often, I guess, some Bucks nights do tend to end up, they ended up at a certain establishment. A, yes. A, yep, perhaps yep. A, a sort of a, a ladies. Yeah, a, a, a gentleman's entertainment venue. Yes. Well, yeah. entertainment, you know, I don't think it's, I don't find it entertaining. No, I don't find it, no. Yeah, but that's what they call it. Right. So yes. we'll go with that. Yep. So anyway, they ended up at this this certain certain function. Dags wasn't me. Oh, no, okay, let's this get was that. Dags. And it's not a fr- well. He's a friend of mine, but I'm not using that as a euphemism to say it was me because it was <laughs> not me. I was not there. That's right, mate. You're, you're guilt guilt free. Am I yeah, okay? You got yeah. more chance of, of the of the guy with the non mentionable TV show that we only mentioned through <laughs> someone else's article coming at you than me thinking that this is you. So yeah, you're okay. all good. So Dags, Dags Deb, Dags. you might have some trouble with. Yeah, <laughs> hey, no, she knows. She knows what I did. No, but I wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so this this guy Dags and uh, and I think uh, about three of his mates ended up at the gentleman's establishment and and so they had the jar of coins and the idea was the buck had to use the jar of coins to pay for a certain dance at, the, at this, this yes. thing. And so he had this big jar of coins and he's sort of taking it in and he's tipping out the coins to get enough money to do whatever happens in those sort of things. And he said that he was sort of there sitting there and this lady was there with um, not a lot of... An employee. Yeah, an employee of the function doing yeah. doing her thing and sort of halfway through and he was sort of, you know, and, uh, and uh, she's uh, kind of looked at him gone, Dags, is that you? Oh no! Oh no! Is that you, Dags? And Dags sort of looked her. He obviously hadn't looked her in the eyes. No, directly. no, no. Got, looked up and looked. He was her too busy the, counting the coins. Yeah, possibly. Yes, <laughs> yes. The coins in the jar. <laughs> don't, don't go. <laughs> anyway, the coins in the jar. Let's cl- clarify that. Yep. Counting those coins, and uh, and hadn't looked her in the eyes and looked up and gone, oh, oh, Moira. Uh, how are you going? And it turned out Moira owned a cat that had kidney disease that had been seen weekly to have uh, fluid injections at his oh, vet clinic. no. So there you go. There, wow. that, that was the one that I was thinking of. Did, did, did Moira come into the clinic the next week with a whole with a jar full of coins to pay for the <laughs> fluid treatment? Right back at you, Dags. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So there you go, mate. That was the one I forgot and I remembered. Nice. All right. All right. <laughs> It was not me. What Don't look at me end. like it was me. What a way to end. Yeah, love no, it. Love that's it. good. That brings it back. All righty. So look, everyone, if you like what we talked about, yes, particularly the dominant stuff, yes, and and you found it useful, support us at Patreon. Yep, absolutely. We'd love to uh, love to hear from you. Uh, you know, hit us up on uh, on Facebook, uh, yeah, Patreon uh, dot com. Search for Two Vets Talk Pets. Sign up for a little bit. 
get a sticker, sign up for a bit more, get some more stuff. Yeah. Um, and uh, if you've got any questions or, you know, is this a dominant behaviour? Hit us up, let us know. Also, don't forget to hit us up for would you be interested in coming out to an OB as well? Yes, so, we've got lots of people can answer questions. Yes, yeah, so yeah, maybe yes. And my dominance problem is this. Yes, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and uh, also, look, if um, you know, you can hit us up on Patreon. You know, minimum, you know, uh, only asking for two dollars a month. Yep. So that would be how much a year, mate? Just uh, just to recap, so twelve dollars, twenty four dollars. <laughs> Very good. You knew it ended in a in an even number, didn't you? I, I did, yeah. I did, yeah, yeah because it was an even and an even. Yeah. So that's fine. Yeah. Camille taught me that. She's in grade two this year. So I always yeah. wondered why you had a calculator watch. I thought they went out in the eighties, <laughs> but now I know why. <laughs> Alrighty, guys. So here's some of the socials. Ask us questions. We love hearing from you, and um, and we'll see you next week. Yeah. Peace out, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Two Vets Talk Pets with Lewis and Robbie. To chat further about this week's episode or ask the guys any questions, search Two Vets Talk Pets on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram or send an email to twovetstalkpets at gmail.com. You can find Lewis on Twitter with the handle at vetbehaviorist and more importantly, as the two pet heroes return to their day job of saving animals' lives, be sure to thank them with a five-star review on iTunes. Every time you do, a small, cute animal will receive a cuddle.